0: Hey, well, good morning, Vibrant Church. How you doing today? <laughs> hey, well, look, we're gonna dive right in this morning. We have been in a series called Bold Prayers. wanna say bold prayers. How many of you enjoyed this series so far? Yeah? Well, listen, in this series, you know, we've been unpacking these bold prayers. If it's your first time with us, that's what we've been doing over the course of these past few weeks. And by doing so, we've had to really go head on with some issues as well, haven't we? You know, week one, I looked at that prayer, God, make me bold. And we found that it wasn't going to be easy, but saying, God, make me bold would be one of the best decisions of our life. Then in week two, Pastor Trey brought an incredible message, God, speak to me. And we learned that that God doesn't have a speaking problem, does he? A lot of times we have a listening problem. That's right. Week three, I brought a bunch of toys on stage. Remember that? And we said, God, search my heart. And we learned that, you know, a lot of times there's something in you that God wants to get out of you, but sometimes he has to expose some of your mess in order to clean it up and get you used by him. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. But then last week, come on now, Pastor Jamie, whoo, this guy, he looked at that prayer, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. God, let me see the world through your lens. Which led us to this place today. It's a special place today because I feel like in this series we have really looked head on at so many tough situations. But today's prayer is a little bit different. See, today's prayer is not a hard prayer to pray, but today's prayer is one that requires a lot of action. That's what makes it difficult. That's what makes it so bold. See, this is a bold prayer because it requires you to be available. You know, in week one, I, I said that a lot of times God is, we look at him like a, a vending machine, don't we? We say, God, I did this, God, I did this, I want you to do this for me. But sometimes God answers our prayer in a way that we don't want him to, right? He gives us something else, sudden chips, right? Remember? <laughs> I was making the point that day that, that God isn't here to serve us, we are here to serve him. Right, But if I was to look at my prayers today, if you were to look at your prayers today, what would they look like? Would we find some common denominator within our prayers? Because I feel like a lot of us may find that the majority of the prayers that we pray directly affect ourselves or someone that we love. You know what I mean? Like prayers like this, God, I'm dealing with this health issue, can you heal me? Or or something like this, God, I need a financial miracle. Help me. God, my family member's going through this pain. Can you be there for them? Right? You see the common denominator? A lot of our prayers have to do with us. And now hear me clearly. We should be praying those prayers, so don't get on YouTube and clip this out and take me out of context and make me say things I didn't say. Because we should pray those prayers. It's good to pray those prayers. But what I'm proposing to you today is are there maybe some other prayers that we should also be praying that maybe we don't pray as often or as consistently as we should? You know, see, today's prayer that we're gonna unpack is this one. You guys ready? God, send me. Someone say, God, send me. And what's so bold about this prayer, what's so bold about praying this prayer, it's because it's not me saying, God, can you do this for me? Rather, it's me saying, God, what can I do for you? It changes the conversation, doesn't it? It changes the dialogue between us and God. You know, I think about conversations like with my wife. If I say, hey, Kristen, can you help me with this? Hey, sweetheart, do you mind doing this today? Hey, babe, can you, can you help me with this thing over here? There's nothing wrong with me asking her to do things like that. There's nothing wrong with me asking for help when I need it, right? But our relationship isn't healthy if that's the only thing we're saying to each other. See what I mean? Our dialogue can't just be me asking her to do things. Check this out. What happens when I say this? What happens when I say, Kristen, what can I do for you? Sweetheart, what can I help you with? See, now, now in the conversation, I'm posturing myself in a position to serve her, to honor her. It's the same with God. See, praying prayers that that help us is not bad, but that can't be the only dialogue that you have with God. You know what's so bold about this prayer? The fact that you don't know what God's gonna say. You know, if you think about it, if I say, hey, Kristen, can you help me with this today? Or if I say, Kristen, what can I help you with? She may say something like, no, oh, you don't have to help me with anything today. It's all good. Well, that's fine. She may say something like, hey, do you mind making the boys some lunch? Sure, that's easy. However, she may also say, hey, here's a list of 20 items I need done today, right? She may ask me to do that, and there's nothing wrong with that. She's not in the wrong regardless of how she answers me. No matter what she says, I really shouldn't complain. Why? Because I asked for it. I made myself available to serve her. So when you're praying a prayer of availability to God, When you're saying, God, send me, are you willing to say yes to him regardless of what he asks from you? Because when you pray this prayer, God may ask you to do something really uncomfortable. He may lead you to another location. He may reveal something in you that you yourself don't see. A calling and a purpose that scares you to death. God may have a grace on your life right now that terrifies you. I truly believe that there's some of you in here right now that you know that God's speaking to your heart. Maybe you're watching online. You know that God's speaking to you and he's trying to pull something out of you. But it makes you so nervous that you keep on making excuses as to why it's not the right time. You know, this is a hard message for me to preach today. Because it's one that I've had to spend a lot of time preaching to myself before I could bring it to you. See, I'm the type of person that I'm listening to God, I truly believe that I hear God's voice in my life. I do. But I keep coming up with excuses as to why the timing is wrong. See, I'm the person that said, God send me, I'm available, I'm ready. And God's like, great, this is all I want you to do. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on, whoa. Whoa, that's real fast, God. I'm not educated yet. I'm not ready yet. I'm not I'm not secure in my intellect. So so I went and I got a business degree and a Bible degree and a master's degree. And God's like, are you ready yet? And I'm like, I don't, I don't think so. Not not yet. Look, I'm being transparent with you today. Because I don't think I'm the only one that's in this boat. See, I'm over here saying, God, I'm available, I'm available, I'm available for anything you want, God. I feel like God's sitting there going, really? Really? God's going, look, Mike, you keep on saying you're available, but every time I call you, your line says busy, Are we really willing to say, God, send me. I'm available. And go, whatever his call is. Do whatever his call is. You know, all throughout the Bible, we see how God spoke to people. He would prompt them to say something, do something, go somewhere. He would lead them. He would call them to do something incredible. And so today, what I wanna do is I wanna talk about three responses that we can have to God's calling in our life. If you're truly gonna say, God, send me. God, I'm available. Then I want us to look at three different people in the Bible. Two of them, let's learn from some of their mistakes and save us some time. And one of them, maybe we could learn from his wisdom. The first one I wanna look at today is this, is Jonah, someone say Jonah. I love Jonah. I think a lot of us can relate to his response to God because it went something like this, you ready? God, I'm available but not for that, right? So the first response to God's calling that I want us to explore today is this number one. Write this in your notes. Call denied. Call denied. Here's how it goes. Jonah is available to God and God calls Jonah, but what he calls him to is pretty uncomfortable. And if we look at the book of Jonah today, chapter one, verse two, God says this to Jonah. Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And Jonah says, yes, Lord, I'm going to Nineveh. Nope. Verse three, look at what it says. It says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. I just picture Jonah over there. He's singing that worship song, Available, right? He's going, I hear you call, I am available. He's just all emotional. And God's like, man, this is great. Jonah, go do this. And he's like, nope, 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 nope. Jonah denied God's calling on his life. He's like, not today, God, not today. See, there are times that God prompts us. He places something on our hearts and we know it's him, but we spend so much energy and time trying to talk ourselves out of it and convince ourselves that it's us. Only to regret it later. Think about my wife, Kristen. She uh, a while back was at a grocery store. She felt that God told her to pray for the cashier. She got all nervous and she ended up not doing it. She talked herself out of it. Talked herself into the thought that it was just herself. Only to later on really regret it, kick herself for it for days. Well, then, fast forward to just about a month ago, she was with her mom in Chicago. Her mom is going through cancer treatment, she's battling cancer, and in just a few days we're gonna see the results of the scans from all of her treatments, and we're believing that God has shown up and shown off. It's gonna be clear, amen? Amen. But she was there at the cancer hospital with her mom in Chicago, and she saw this woman sitting by herself. And Kristen called me, she said, I ain't falling, I'm not gonna miss this one again. So she went over to this woman, introduced herself, said, I just feel like God wants me to pray for you. She took that big faith step and come to find out this woman was battling cancer. She was going through her treatments but she didn't have any family. She was there alone. And God used Kristen in that moment to minister to her, to encourage her, to love her and pray for her. Here's the thing that I'm realizing. It's a lot easier for us to run away from God's calling than to walk in it. But God's ways are always better. His plan is always greater. All we have to do is be faithful. You know, the second person I wanna look at today, to be honest, this is someone I think I relate with the most. And it's Moses. Someone say Moses. See, Moses didn't deny God's calling, but he also didn't accept it either. You know, what Moses did is our second response we're gonna look at today, and this is number two. And that's call transferred. Called transferred. Moses is more like, here I am, Lord. Send me. And God's like, this is great. Moses, go. This is what I want you to do. And Moses is like, ah, about that. That's not really in my pocket. That's not in my lane. How about we give that calling to someone else? I'll take the next one. Have you ever felt that way before? I know I have. Too many times to count. You say, I'm available. And God calls you to something, but it's a little bit bigger than what you anticipated. It makes you scared. Your insecurities overwhelm you and you begin to make excuses as to why you're not ready yet. Why you're not good enough. Why you're not the right choice. But God's the one doing the choosing. Don't you think he knows? But check out what happens with Moses. We go to Exodus 3. We see Moses, he's watching over some sheep and God appears to him in a burning bush. It says this in Exodus three, verse 10. God says, so now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? See, God's saying, great, Moses is available. He wants to be used by me. I'm sending you, Moses. Moses doesn't have the confidence in himself, though. See, Moses doesn't view himself the same way that God views him. And some of you right now, you're feeling some tension. Maybe you're online and you're feeling this right now because you're in this boat. You're not viewing yourself through the same lens that God is viewing you. You don't see yourself the way that God sees you. You see yourself as less than. Your insecurities are overwhelming you. But here's what happens in chapter four. Moses does in chapter four what many of us do. He gives all these excuses as to why he can't do it. But there's a root to his insecurity. There's an actual reason why he doesn't wanna do these things for God. I know I've done this before. You give God all these excuses as to why I shouldn't do it, why I'm not the one, why I'm not qualified, but what is the root? It's just insecurities. It's a lack of viewing yourself the way that God sees you. So if you look at Exodus 4, verse 1, it says, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? It's a staff, Moses replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. I can relate to that too. Verse four, then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and he took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, his skin was leprous. It was as white as snow. Now put your hand back in your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, his hand was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second sign. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water that you take from the river will become like blood on the ground. After all of this, after all of this proof right here that he was gonna be with him, verse 10, look at this. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. You see it? Now that God has eliminated all the excuses, now we're getting down to the real insecurity that Moses has. We're getting down to the root of his fear. I'm not secure in my speech. I'm not eloquent. I don't see myself as a communicator. Why would they listen to me when they're more educated? You see it? It's the root. If you look at verse 11, it says, the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf? Who makes them mute? Who gives them sight? Who makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. And after all of those things, After all of that proof, look at verse 13. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Even with more proof than God ever needed to supply, even with God proving over and over and over that he was going to be with him, that he was gonna lead him, that he was there with him, Moses' insecurities get him to a place where he wants to transfer the calling. God, my shortcomings, my insecurities are greater in my eyes than anything that you can do. That's where he is. Can you relate? He's going, God, please send someone else. Use him, use her. They're more equipped, they're more educated, they're more experienced. God, please use someone else. You know, this happens a lot in the church world. People come up to us sometimes and they say things like, you know what, God just put it on my heart that you guys should do X, Y, and Z. And usually I respond something like this. I say, man, that is amazing. Listen, why don't you do it in like the form of a small group or something? And a lot of times people will say, no, 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 not me, you. <laughs> See, this is, this is what I believe is if God is putting it on your heart, he's probably saying, I want to use you. Are you available? I can guarantee you that God is not putting it on your heart so you can get someone else to do it. He wants to use you. He wants to use everyone that's in here. He wants to use you watching online. He wants to use you. But are you actually available? There's someone else in the Bible, though, that I wanna look at today. Someone who, whose actions match their availability. Because I believe that if we're actually gonna say, God send me, I'm available, then we need to look at someone that actually put that in motion. And that's Isaiah, someone say Isaiah. Isaiah. I love Isaiah. Isaiah prays a bold prayer. If you look in Isaiah six, verse eight, it says this. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to these people? Who will go for us? And I love this response. He says, here I am, send me. You see what's going on there? Do you notice what's not being asked in this? Isaiah didn't say, hey God, where are you sending me? He didn't say, hey God, um, what's the pay range like there? God, do they have a Starbucks in that town? He didn't ask about the weather, nothing. Isaiah simply says, God, whatever you have for me, I'm down. So there's three responses. There's call denied. There's call transferred. Or there's Isaiah's response, and it's this one, number three, right in your notes. Call accepted. Someone say, call accepted. It reminds me of the disciples, says in the book of Mark that when Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, they were fishermen, they were casting their nets. It says that he walks up to them and he says, hey, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If you look in Mark 1.18, it says that they immediately dropped their nets to follow Jesus. They literally just quit their jobs, didn't ask questions, and just walked away from everything and followed Jesus. Look, That is bold. That's bold. What would our attitude, what, what if our attitude towards God was, God, I surrender to you. God, I surrender my comfort to you. God, I surrender my, my preferences in life to you. God, I surrender my family to you. God, I surrender my finances to you. God, I surrender my life, all of my life. To you. How do we get to that place? Because let's be honest. That's a scary place to get to. How do we fully surrender our lives to God? You know, we saw that Isaiah said in Isaiah 6, 8, I'm here, send me. But how did he get there? What led to that moment? I think we need to look at some of the scriptures that led up to that. Because I believe there's three main ingredients in order for us to be fully surrendered to God. Here's the first one, write it in your notes. We need to have an authentic encounter with God's presence. We need to have an authentic encounter with God's presence. Your encounter with God has to be legit. You're thinking it, too legit to quit. You need a legit encounter with God's presence. If you look at Isaiah six, verse one, it says this. It was the year that King Uzziah died, that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim. Those are angels, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. Verse three. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Do you see what's happening there? Isaiah is experiencing an authentic encounter with God's presence. And when he experiences God's presence, it completely transforms him. For some of you today, Look, you want to be like Isaiah. You want to be bold. You want to say, God, here I am, send me. But if truth be told, you're not available. Why? Because you haven't had an authentic encounter with God's presence lately. You know, I have a small group here on Tuesday mornings at 6 30 a.m., it's early. About sharing with those guys this week, about how something that has really changed my life is reading slow. You know, as a leader, as a pastor, there's still all this pressure to read so much, taking all this information. You hear things like, you know, leaders are readers. You got the Bible app that you you know read the entire Bible in one year. You don't want to mess up your streak on your Bible app. There's all this pressure to do all these things to take it all in real fast. And there's nothing wrong with that. I've done all those things. But what I found myself doing lately was I was reading the Bible with my end goal to complete it rather than to receive it. So I decided to slow down a while back. Read it slowly. Read less. And really take notes. Underline, highlight, try to see things from all the different angles say, God, in this right here, what do you have for me? What are you trying to tell me? And because I'm slowing down in his word, I'm finding that I'm encountering his presence on a more regular basis, which enables me to be able to say, God, I'm available. God, send me. God, I don't need to know where. I don't need to know why. I don't need to know about the money. I don't need to know about the housing. I don't need the details, God. I'm available for you, God. Send me. See, God wants you to be in his presence and it doesn't have to look a certain way. Maybe for you, it's, it's worshiping in your car while you're driving. Maybe there's this moment in your day that's just quiet at your home and you can get into his word. I know for my wife, it's right before she goes to bed, she does journaling and devotions and gets into his presence then. However it is, whatever it looks like, God wants to reveal himself to you. You And the Bible says that when you draw near to God, it says that he will draw near to you. You know, for some of us, maybe you're in here and you just need to take control Of some of the distractions in your life. Maybe you need to eliminate some distractions in order to see Him more clearly. Is there something in the way? Is there something blocking your view? Is your calendar too full? Are there just too many distractions? And I think it's so interesting that in the Bible, God talks so much about taking a Sabbath, taking a day off, and resting. I don't really have time today to really dig into all of that. But are you resting? Because in today's culture, it's really rare to rest. Just because you're not going to work today doesn't mean you're resting. So maybe some of you just need to rest a little bit in His presence. Maybe you need to eliminate some distractions in order to be able to see Him clearly, to be in His presence. There's some of us that probably just need to drop our nets. Slow down and follow him. So the ingredients is is that you need an authentic encounter with his presence. The second one is this though, write this down. You need an awareness of your sins. An awareness of your sins. This one obviously is a tough one. I talked about this a few weeks ago. It's so difficult to have your mess exposed. Because honestly, a lot of us are deceived. We think, man, they're a good person, they're a good person, I'm a good person. But it's just not true. Without Christ, we are not good people. Without Christ, we are sinners, wicked hearted, nasty people. And when Isaiah, when he saw the goodness of God, he realized the badness of himself. He saw just how holy God was and immediately recognized his own unrighteousness. Have you ever had one of those moments where you have a side-by-side comparison and it opens your eyes? For me, it happened a few years ago. I was on a cruise. It was my second cruise. My first cruise, I was on one of those interior rooms and I felt boxed in and I felt like I was gonna die. I didn't like it. I felt claustrophobic. So cruise number two, we went all in. We spent extra money to go all in, get the balcony room. I'm sitting out there on my balcony going like, man, this is great. I got my sunglasses on, my swimsuit. I'm just watching the ocean. Got my coffee. Life couldn't be better. I'm on this giant ship. It's awesome. And then the Disney cruise line pulled up. All of a sudden, I couldn't see the ocean anymore. All I could see is a ship that was double the size of ours. And they had a water slide on the outside that was going right in front of my my balcony. I'm sitting there going like, ah, ah. See, my side-by-side comparison made it to where in my eyes, my ship wasn't good anymore. My ship was puny. This is what happens with Isaiah. See, when he saw just how holy God was, he became very aware of how sinful he was. You look at Isaiah 6, verse 5. This is what it says. Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed. He's freaking out. For I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among all these people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of the heaven's armies. He's going, I'm doomed. I'm worse than I thought. I'm filthy. You're filthy. Y'all filthy. He's freaking out. (laughs) he became aware of his sins so what will it take for you to truly be available like really available where you can honestly say god send me you need that authentic encounter with his presence you need to be aware of your sins and then number three write this down it's so good you need an understanding of god's grace an understanding of God's grace. If you look in verse six, it says this, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched it to my lips. <laughs> and he said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins, they are forgiven. So what happened to Isaiah? Isaiah. He saw the presence of God. He had this authentic encounter with him. He became aware of his sins. Freaked out a little bit. and goes, I'm doomed. He realized he was a sinful man. But it doesn't end there. No, no, no. no. See, it doesn't end with the bad decisions that you made. It doesn't end with the addiction that you're struggling with. It doesn't end with the anger that you've had, or the lying, or the lust, it doesn't end there. Isaiah says, I'm doomed. But when he experiences God's grace and mercy, God says, no, 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 you're forgiven, amen? Church, aren't you glad that we serve a God that doesn't end your story with you're doomed? He ends your story with you are forgiven. See, God's presence changes everything. And in the same way that that cold touched his lips and removed all of his guilt, the blood of Jesus covers your sins and makes you whole, amen? Amen. Come on, let's give him some praise today. Are you willing to say yes to God? God, I'm available. Send me, even before you know what the task is. What if God asks you to go somewhere that makes you uncomfortable? What if he asked you to minister to people that you just don't like? What if he asked you to give up some luxuries in order to follow him? Are you still in? Are you still available? Are you able to be that bold? You know, when we put this series in place, the first series with me as the interim lead pastor, and I knew it was gonna be challenging. And here's the fact, if I wanted you to like me, I probably should have preached something a lot more peppy. Preached on love and grace and all those things that feel good. I should have have preached on that if I wanted you to like me, but truth be told, I just don't care if you like me. I don't, because it's not about me. It's not about me. And there's too many pastors in our country today that they want to stand on a big stage. They want recognition. They want the spotlight. They want the followers. But at the end of the day, It's not about me. It's not about them. It is about the mission. It is about seeing people that are far from God raised to life in Jesus. The only one we should be fighting for to have followers is Jesus. So are we willing to go all in? Are you willing to go all in? Are you willing to be available? And say, God, 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 no matter what you call me to, God, no matter what it is, I'm in. Send me. With every head bowed, and every eye closed today. The There's some of you in here right now that you want God to use you in this mighty way. You want to be bold enough to say, God, send me. Truth be told right now, you're just not available. I want us to have the opportunity to pray for you today. See, God, make us available, no matter what that means, no matter what it looks like. I told the first service this, but if you were to look at Isaiah's life, it's not not very pleasant. Isaiah says yes to God, before he knew what was going to happen. And what happens is he gets sent to a place that doesn't want him there. They don't want to hear him. And he lives the majority of his life preaching to a people that's putting him down, shoving him out. And eventually they kill him by sawing him in half. But he went all in for God. And the kingdom was changed because of him. Are you willing to say, yes, God, I'm available. I want to go all in for you, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of the sacrifice. Because God, I understand that you're not here to serve me. I'm here to serve you. No one looking around right now. just want to pray, God, make me available. I want to be available. If that's you, just raise your hand say, I want to be available. Amen. Amen. Listen, there's a lot of hands up right now. God, make us available. Because look, when we're truly available, we can change our community. We can change our state. We can change the landscape of it. We can be a light in a dark world for God. Are you available? God, I thank you for each person in here that's saying, yes, I wanna be available to you. And God, even though this is such a, a, a difficult decision, God, I pray right now that you give us the confidence and the strength to walk in your ways, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of how uncomfortable it may be. God, use us, send us. We're available to you. God, eliminate those distractions in our life. Give us the ability to say no to a few things so we can say yes to you. As we stay in this moment of prayer right now, some of you are in here today and you don't have a relationship with God. You're not walking with God. Or maybe at some point in your life, you were. Life happened and you got sidetracked. You're saying, Mike, I just want a fresh start in my life. I want to live for God. I want to go all in. I know it sounds scary, (laughs) The future is not certain, but what I do know is that God has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. And he wants to use us to grow his kingdom, to be a light so the lost have hope in him. If you're here today, say, yeah, Mike, I want to give my life to Jesus. I know that God sent his son to die for me and that his blood, it covers all of my sins. No matter what I've been doing, no matter how far I am, he loves me and has a purpose for me. If that's you, you just want a fresh start, would you just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me, Mike. That's your hand, sir. Yes. Amen. Yes, I see you. Amen. I see you. Amen. Amen. Listen, church, we're going to pray this prayer as a family today. Will you join me? Dear God, thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for me. God, I know I didn't deserve it, but I am so thankful. God, make me bold, because I want to live for you. Give me a fresh start and a new beginning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, can we celebrate that today? Come on, church.